lead. Mick Dittman is squeezing through on naturalism's emanations there with heroicity. And here comes Viander Cross. Viander Cross down the outside is motoring home. Naturalism the leader. Viander Cross inch by inch is wearing him down. Naturalism still in front. He ran out near the line, but Naturalism wins at a half length to Viander Cross in a bumping finish. Cavalieri, I think, third in front of Zamanay. Group racing is building by the week in Sydney and on August 27, Rose Hill Gardens will host a Group 3 double for sprinting three-year-olds. The San Domenico stakes of 1,100 metres and the up-and-coming stakes of 1,300, each worth $200,000. Who was San Domenico is a question often posed by the younger brigade of racing fans. San Domenico was a wonderful sprinter of the late 40s and early 50s who won five races which are today classified as Group 1s. The Oakley Plate, the George Main, the Futurity, the All-Aged and the Canterbury Stakes. He was ridden in those Group 1 wins by legendary jockeys like Darby Munro, Arthur Ward and Bill Williamson. He won 25 races all up and he was still going as an eight-year-old on far western tracks under big weights. His last win was at Burke, under 63.5 kilos in 1954. He retired as Australia's highest stakes winning sprinter at that time. San Domenico's name lives on at the Sydney Spring Carnival. Horses were front and centre in Dwayne Smith's life as he grew up at Kempsey. He progressed from pony club to the show circuit and to state-level show jumping by early teens. And as the stepson of trainer Jeff Millard, he knew what a racehorse looked like. He was riding work by age 13 and even had some practice jumping horses out of the barrier at the Kempsey track. By the time he reached school leaving age, young Dwayne was focused on becoming an apprentice jockey. His stepfather hoped to get him started with Port Macquarie trainer Glenn Hodge, who didn't have a vacancy at the time, but by a stroke of good fortune, a position came up with Leslie Picken in the days when Canterbury was still being used as a training centre. After a year with Leslie Picken, Dwayne finally got to join Glenn Hodge at Port Macquarie and over the next 17 months outrode his country claim. He finished up winning three apprentices' premierships and in a 10-year riding career, he won a total of 300 races. Weight finally beat him, and it was all over in 1995. He went out in the most satisfying way at Taree with a winner at his final ride. His training career began in Port Macquarie, transitioned to the Sunshine Coast and to Eagle Farm, where he stayed for some eight years. Eventually, he found his way to Grafton in 2015 and is happily ensconced there with 20 horses in work. Duane is also the proud dad of Priscilla and Cassandra, who both made their marks as jockeys. I've only scratched the surface in the introduction, so let's fill in the gaps with Duane himself Great to catch up, mate, and nice to see you at the jockeys' reunion the other day. Yeah, it was lovely, John. We had a, we had a lovely day there. It was really, really nice to catch up with some old mates. You would have ridden with a lot of them, I imagine. Yes, I did. Yeah, and a lot, a lot there that's um, 
come after me, obviously, but um, was really, really good. You know, we had a really good turnout, a really good day, and, and as I said, you know, it was good to see old Cliffy there still, um, you know, bright as a button, isn't he, you know? So. Cliff Clare, 92, he's the elder statesman. Yeah, yeah, and still looks great, doesn't he? Well, the good news is, mate, it's on again next year. Yeah, I'll be there with bells on. <laughs> Had it not been for the refurbishment of the Eagle Farm track, you might still be in Brisbane. Yes, I'd say I probably would be, John. You know, I, I actually love Queensland. I love I loved Eagle Farm and, and um, you know, the people there is good and uh, the racing's good. But, um, look, you know, the, the, the track turn, took a turn around to re- be refurbished and, and um, I thought it would, would have been only a two or three-year operation. I think it turned into about a five before they actually got it right. But, um mm. Look, you know, it's just uh, I just thought I could move on and I, and I wanted to move back to uh, close to my family. Uh, at this stage, Priscilla had moved back home, well, back to Port Macquarie and, and um, Cassie was still riding, but um, she was on the verge of sort of getting back there as well. She was just a bit – she was out of her time and, and she was starting to get heavy, so yeah. she thought she'd go back home and I thought I'd be a bit closer. And You know, I've got a son that – it's a little bit just down the road a bit, so it would have been nice mm. to catch up with him, and, and that's how I uh, we made the move. But um, I was going to go to originally going to go to Ballina, and um, I called into Ballina, and they said they were going to try and build a new track there at some stage. I thought, well, I better keep going. So I drove to Graft and rang Michael Bertie. I said, "What can you do for me?" Mm. And um, and that's uh, the rest is history. So I stayed there, and mm. he's looked after me ever since. Yeah, you've pulled the right rein. You're very happy there. Yeah, 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 and it's close to everything, John. You know, like you, you, you're not you're not too far from Brisbane. Um, the only thing is a little bit hard when you've got a highway horse. If you want to get to Sydney, it's a little bit hard. So you need a really exceptional traveller. Yeah. Um, you know, that's the only that's the only uh, downside of that, John. But um, you know, as I said, you're close enough to get back to Brisbane pretty quick. The way the new highway is, it's fantastic. You, know? mm. you keep twenty in work. Is that your preferred number? Yeah, I don't like too much more, John. Um, it's just a bit too hard. And, and where I'm based at Grafton, I'm the furthest from the from the gap, so uh, it takes a little bit more time to, to get my horses worked, you know. Yeah. Um, so, uh, look, it just, you know, you're, you're sort of adding more staff than you really need and, and, you know, and 20, you can just manage that more, you know, that, that many's just, just lovely, you know. Yeah. Alf's Magic looks a promising horse. He's won three from seven. He won two at Grafton with Ben Looker up late last year and then he won at Doombin with Jimmy Byrne. What did jockey Jim think of him? You know, Jim liked him. Jim liked him. I've had a pretty good association with Jimmy, so it was good. It was really, really great to get him on board, the horse, you know, and uh, and he rode him how, how he watched the videos of Ben riding him and he said, I'll just ride him the same. I said, go your hardest, mate. Where you go. So, look, no, Jimmy got off him and, and – um, and uh, really liked the horse, and you know we had a few offers to sell him overseas, but mm. the, owner, the owner declined on any 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 offers that was available. So um, he's uh, he doesn't really need the money, but um, mm. look, he just he's just happy to have a nice horse running around, and and he's a lovely little horse. Not much of him, John. Only mm. only only a, only a quite small horse, but um, you know I want to say small. He's probably fifteen two. Yeah. Um, and we left him a cult for as long as we could. He's been gelded since, mm. so it'll be interesting to see how he goes. You know, where is he, gelding. mate? Where is he now? He's uh, he's about to have his first first gallop on 
Tuesday morning. Good. And he will be uh, he'll be aimed at a highway race first up. So yeah. um, you know, providing he, he's he's going all right. But look, the, usually when he feels good, he's going good, and he's he's bucking the brand off at the moment. So which is yeah. a good sign for him. Well, his name is Alf's Magic, and we'll be looking out for him in a highway in the near future. Would you do that trip in one hit or break it in two? No, it'll go in two, John. I used to go to Newcastle or Gosford or Warren or somewhere there close, you know, mm. and then and then slip on into Sydney the next day. Yeah. So. I've got to ask you about a horse called Dernstein. He's won one from three, and that was a big win. It was a maiden two-year-old at Grafton. July 5th, he was a joint leader to the turn and then he just careered away. Nine days later, he backed up Grafton Cup Day over 1,200. The plan was to ride him off the pace and, Dwayne, that proved to be his undoing. He got more checks than a bank teller. <laughs> yeah, that's right, Johnny. Look, he's a beautiful big animal. He's a, he's, he's a, um, a magnificent-looking horse. He, he's jet black. He's... Um, you know, he was he was six hundred kilos before we decided to geld him as a as a yearling, mm. uh, which is is a very big animal. But look, he's got a big stride. He's and he's economical. He gets down. He doesn't climb. Mm. Um, and we just thought we could just ride him back a touch to try and teach him something. You know, and I still think at the end of the day, we'll probably still have to try and teach him a little bit more. He's just that little mm. bit of greenness about him, but. But as you said, you run into a fair bit of trouble at the second start, you know. Mm. But ideally, John, it wasn't it wasn't the best preparation. Nine days, you know, first up to second up, nine days. Mm. Mm. Um, but look, he's he's owned one of the uh, the chairman of the CRJC owns a share in him. And look, when he drew barrier one, mm. we were sort of forced our hand. And and look, they wanted to see a horse go around at the carnival, which is you can understand that. And, mm. And we and we put him in the paddock for um, twelve or thirteen days after it, and he's back in work now. So he'll head he'll probably head to Sydney with uh, Alf's Magic for a trip because he's a very highly strung horse, and, mm. and the trip away are doing the world of good. But look, he um you know I, I think you know as a late three year old you'll really see something of that horse. He, he's mm. got a bit of ability. Yeah. Oh, I know you like him, Dernstein. We've got him in the black book. Hey, let's look back on your riding career, Dwayne. Your first winner was trained by Bill Pickens Sr., Leslie Pickens' father-in-law, who'd been a trotting legend until late in his career. He trained his gallopers with the harness horses. He'd race them fairly often, but all they did in between was jog along behind the trotting sulky at Pick and Oval, and it seemed to suit his horses. Yeah, that's right. He trained nearly every horse the same as that uh, old Bill. Yeah, he was a... Uh, um Pretty good condition of a horse, and he didn't want to bet. So hmm. you see, when when one was when one was back, they'd nearly get the coin, you know. But yeah, that, that my first winner was was for uh, was for Bill. It was at Ramwick, yeah. nineteen eighty four. Uh, wet day, not so many there, but anyway, it was a sad day. Anyway, <clears throat> yeah. I straightened up, straightened up, got to the top of the rise, and I'd already gone for the stick, which was a probably rookie error. And, uh, you know, as the straight got a fair, fair way down into it, yeah, I thought, geez, I've gone a bit early here. <laughs> anyway, the, 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 last, the last 25 yards, Johnny, I looked like a South African. I was bouncing all over him. But anyway, he hung on and won. Yeah. I was pretty tired, but anyway, I was pretty excited. It was oh, a, yeah. know, great, probably one of the greatest days I've ever had in my 
Oh, of course it was. Fairy Prince was the name of the horse, Fairy Prince. And you're still excited, mate, because I met you outside the main gate uh, in Allison Road the other day for the reunion and the first thing you said to me was, I rode my first winner here. (laughs) (laughs) Right, yeah, exactly. You've never forgotten it. No, never. you never forget your first winner or your last. No, absolutely. Well, we'll talk yeah. about your last in a minute. Now, a certain track gallop at Canterbury, a track gallop, gave you more pleasure than a race win at that time. Jeff Murphy had two horses stabled at Canterbury. He wanted to work them together. Gary Willits, his stable jockey, rode one of them, but he couldn't find a suitable rider for the other. You got the job. Yes, I did. I was, I was fortunate enough to get the job, probably through uh, Lindsay Murphy and, and Billy Billy, uh, Billy Dale. Dale. Yeah, you know Billy was very very good to me when I was at Canterbury, as, as Lindsay was, and um, you know I could always hold a puller. I was only bloody fifteen, and <clears throat> I could always hold a puller from the early age, you know. And, and mm. uh, I had a bit of leverage anyway. I was pretty tall, so mm. uh, yeah, Billy said that kid there, he'll hold it, you know, mm. the kid and. and and Jeff Murphy looked at him like he was stupid, but but he uh, he was right. Anyway, it was the greatest pleasure ever. Like you know, at the time, Jeff Murphy was a super trainer in Melbourne, mm. and Gary Willets, you know, like he rode Minicato, and I just oh. thought, how good is this? You know, yeah, you know, a kid from Kempsey is going, you know, and we got on the course proper and we worked around, and and uh, and when I come back, he said, um, he said, mate. He said, that's a, you know, a credit to you. Mm. He said, dig out, you can't hold that horse work. So Gee whiz. Anyway, I walked away pretty high. Oh, wouldn't you? <laughs> the two horses, by the way, were Triflow and not declared Triflow on that particular trip, ran third in the Canterbury Guineas to Beechcraft. That's correct. That's correct, yeah. Yeah, and I rode, I actually rode not declared. Did so. you? Yeah. And he started in the, I think the Canterbury Cup, I think he was in. Mm-hmm. You rode several winners in that 12 months with Leslie Picken, but you were busting to get back to the coast. And you were able yeah. to do that when Shane Arnold left the Glen Hodge stable, creating a vacancy. Yeah, that's right. We actually just swapped positions. He mm. went to Leslie and I, and I went to Glen's and, uh, and, and, and away I went. And, and Shane went well too. You know, I think he was a leading apprentice in, in, in Sydney for a while. And mm. uh, he was a very, very, very good rider, Shane. Very good rider. Mm. Um, but, um, yeah, as I said, I think the next 16, 17 months I, um, I outrode my claim. So oh, yeah, it was a bit, bit tougher. It was a bit tougher for me, John, because in them days you couldn't come out of your time until you are 20. Mm. And I think I think when I was seventeen, I, I was riding as a senior jockey when I was seventeen. So mm. you know it was pretty tough to be inexperienced like that. But mm. but um, I still kept riding winners. It didn't matter about me. Mm. You tell me, Glenn Hodge is still training one or two at Port Macquarie. Yeah, Glenn still got a, he still got one or two in work. Glenn, um, very very good conditioner of stayers. Was a great feeder, a big swimmer. And a big worker, you know, but mm. a big feeder. You know, he'd feed three times a day, mm. plenty of oats, plenty of corn, you know. Yeah. You know, old school trainer, but a very, very good trainer, you know. Like he, once he got them fit, he'd just back off on them and, and swim them and yeah. whatnot. But, you know, them staying horses, he'd, he'd buy out of Sydney for tried horses and whatnot. He just had a huge amount of luck with them. Yeah, good on him. Glenn Hodge <laughs> won many local premierships and you tell one funny story 
about the season when he and Neil Godbolt were head and head on the last day of the season. Now, you got yeah, beaten was- on one of Glenn's, and it's the only time he ever blew up. He didn't miss you that day. Yeah, Glenn had, Glenn had never ever give you. He'd never give you a bike. He'd never, he'd never say, you know. Uh, but then again, he wouldn't say much if you rode a good one either. Oh yeah, <laughs> he said he was just one of them old blokes. He was quiet and, yeah. and conserved, and he probably didn't want you getting a big head. But at this day, <laughs> I think it was leading into yeah, and and uh, it was in a staying race in a two thousand meter race. I think at Port Macquarie, and Robert Thompson was on one of Neil's and. Uh, and I rode a horse called Baron Ajinski, a big grey horse for Glenn. And it was one of the first two races, so they Glenn was sort of only on the catch-up. But he was, you know, I think he'd held the title for 22 years or something like that. Ooh, you know? yeah. So, so, so um, I rode this horse, John, and I reckon I got out of my ground a bit, you know, and I was probably – Probably about twenty off the lead at one stage, but Ooh, this horse had a—he had a tendency to get back a bit, but I probably let him get back too far. Yeah, you overdid you know, it, mate. You definitely I, overdid I, it. I did overdo it. Anyway, when <laughs> I got back, the words with Glenn was, "He said you need an alarm clock in your head," you know? <laughs> and he pointed—he pointed to Robert Thompson, yeah. and he said, "You see that bloke there?" I said, "Yeah." He said, "Well, wherever he goes, he said you follow him." Oh, he dear. said he'll take you into the race, you know. I never yeah. forgot that word. No. Never forgot it. And I thought to myself, you know, you must follow a good rider. And Robert will always take you into the race, of course. You know, he's a great rider. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but it was the only time Glenn ever, ever was really cross with me, you know. Yeah, gave vent to his feelings. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. You've never forgotten one race ride you had on a marvellous old horse called Stop a Punch who was trained by a gentleman of the turf, Ross Stitt at Taree. The horse won 37 races all up and you were on him in one of them. You tell me, even though he was a prolific winner, you had to time his run to perfection. Yes. um, He was a great horse and and he was trained by a great mate of mine, Ross. Um, I rode a few winners for Ross. He was a really good bloke to ride for. Mm. But but he was he was probably still one of these best horses that he's ever 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 say he trained. You know, mm. like you know, not many horses win thirty seven races. But and he was average bred. He was av- he's an average bred horse, and I think he used to buck early mm. and um, and whatnot. But but explosive the last hundred. Yeah. But if you went inside that, mm. he'd paddle. You know, yeah. he was just he just he had a finish on him, but I think he had sixty four and a half the day I rode him, and I might have taken one and a half off him or two kilos off him, mm. and he won like he had fifty two and a half on his back. He did, just did moted, he? you know. Yeah, yeah. But uh, everyone you speak to, they've all made the same mistake of going a touch early on him at times. But mm. oh, geez, he was a good horse. Yeah, stop a punch. <laughs> Ross still talks about him with great affection. Well, yes. finally, Dwayne, the wasting and the starvation diet got to you. You were doing all the wrong things in an endeavour to stay in the saddle, including using those rotten fluid pills. Yeah, John, I was, I was in the finish. I was, I, I really had to take off probably about a bit over a stone every week. You know, mm-hmm. um, probably about seven kilos, seven and a half kilos was the best I'd done. And look, you know. Fluid tablets and saunas, 
and uh, Epsom salts. I tried everything, you know. Mm. And in, in the finish, my body just it just rejected everything. Yeah. Just felt like I couldn't. I just couldn't go on, and you know. And and at that stage, I had a few little sneaky horses under my wing when I was training them mm. under the father-in-law's name. <laughs> and, um, and I thought to myself, "This is no good. I better get my trainer's license." So mm. yeah, so that's what happened. I hope there's no steward listening with any yeah. repros- retrospective power. <laughs> no, I think they're gone, them blokes. <laughs> <laughs> now, Dwayne, you made up your mind to call it quits after riding a horse called Blazing Thoughts at Taree, 10th of June, 1995. Now, the only person you told was the late Dick Hillard, who was the race caller on the day. And when you won the race, Dick was able to paint the picture uh, on the course broadcasting system and to his big Sky Channel audience. Now, you were in the shower when the emotional tidal wave caught up with you. Yeah, that's right, John. Yeah, I'd, um, you know, as I said, the wasting got the better of me and and I just thought to myself, you know, I'm never. I sat in the shower and just and scrubbed my gear like I like I'd done for ten years, mm. you know. And I sat there and I and I just sat sat on the sat on the floor, mm. and I turned so nobody could see me because them days nobody had, they never had doors on showers, you know, mm. <laughs> open slather sort of thing. And I just sat there and I cried my eyes out, John, because I knew that was the last time yeah. that I was ever going to have to do it, you know. Mm. And and it was like. All my life, I just wanted to be a jockey, you know, and I, I didn't think I'd ever get, didn't think I'd make it because I was so big, you know. Mm. As I, as I say to everyone, I was a jockey in a basketballer's body, but yeah, um, but that was the last time, and, and I was really, really emotional, you know. Mm. So caught up. What uh, I wasn't the next week when I had a pie and a, and a coke for for breakfast for race day, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I understand. It was a bittersweet <laughs> experience. Yeah, exactly. That last day. Yeah, that one I'll I'll never forget, you know. No. Before long, you had half a dozen horses around and good old Glenn Hodge was kind enough to let you keep them at his stabling complex. You were doing a little breaking too, weren't you, at this stage, and you enjoyed that. It seemed to come easily to you. Yeah, we we broke in a few horses, you know, a a lot of fair few for Glenn and and I'd take a few rough horses that people had around the around the town. Um, you know, I could sort of always ride a bit of a buck jumper in that, John. So yeah. I'd, everyone would throw their hand up for me to ride one. And um, so I started taking a few brumbies, as I call them, mm. and uh, ended up with a few more to train that in that in that way. You know, mm. but um, as a, as the time comes and you few, get a few more horses around your your hands and. And uh, you don't really have time then to do the breaking and the rough ride, and you've got to concentrate on training a bit more. So, yeah. So I well, moved away from that. <clears throat> you trained in your own right at Port Macquarie for about nine years, and there were two special horses who helped you along. One of them was Wild Fan, who won a string of races for you and was your all-important first city winner. He won at Canterbury one day, and who was the jock? R.S. Uh, Dye. Yeah, Shane, Shane rode the first winner for me in town is at Canterbury. Mm. And, um, yeah, he was a really good horse, Wild Fan. Um, nice little horse. Uh, I'll tell you this. 
1986, I think, was his first winner in town. Mm. Um, but, yeah, no, he was a good horse. He was a really good horse. But probably the two the two horses that really stuck out and, and got me a real string along, John, was, was a horse called Regal Centre yeah. and another one called Hot Secret. Mm. You know, they were both – are both owned by the same people, um, and uh, they really, really like. We travelled the. I travelled Australia with poor old Regal Centre. Mm. He was a ripper, you know, and he's was still it? alive today, John. Yeah, he's still alive today. He lives at Cassie's farm. I Good. think he's twenty nine or something like that, you know, and he's oh, still lovely. going all right. Lovely. But they really strung me along, you know. We mm. had a great time. Well, Hot Secret won a total of eighteen. He won yes. a couple at Rose Hill. He won one at Canterbury. He won one at Eagle Farm. But you yep. tell me, his record doesn't reflect how good he was. He had a confirmation fault. You couldn't work him much. No, John, no. And he was a big horse as well. He would have been, he would have been five eighty, five ninety kilos, and he he, was, he had the worst offset knee you ever seen. Mm. And um, hence why I probably bought him a little bit cheaper, and I bought him at a ready to run sales when they first come along. Mm. And uh, for twenty one thousand, but anyway, he was he would have been a really top horse if you could have been able to work him. It's just that, mm. just that unfortunate, you know, he, he was he was not real sound right throughout his career. Mm. And um, yeah, but he was he was a, he was a lovely horse, mm. and uh, had a lot of fun with him. And um, as I said, he uh, he would have won more races. He actually broke. He won the Country Cup at Newcastle one day, Jimmy Cassie Grady, mm. and he broke Luskin Star's track record. Good heavens. Yeah. So um, hey, that's, that was pretty good. That's dinner mm. party stuff, isn't it? was, yeah. They have, they have a fortune enough to own a restaurant, yeah, so we, <laughs> we go in there for a bit. <laughs> well, things were getting a little crowded at Glen Hodge's place by this, and yeah. you knew you'd have to move on, and as if by magic – a golden opportunity came up. You were offered the job as private trainer for the people who own P. Chester Lodge, a beautiful training property on the Sunshine Coast hinterland. How did you get that job? Yeah, I went to uh, I went to a mate of mine's wife at, at uh, a funeral at, at Roma and I ran into a, an old mate of mine that I used to ride for and he said, um, you wouldn't be interested in moving to Queensland. And as it turned out, I just said yes. I wouldn't mind the change. Mm. I went home, packed up, and away I went. So, yeah. and I started there. And anyway, when when we got there, they didn't have much money, horses, and 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 whatnot. So I sort of had to dig my own way away. And mm. anyway, I finished up getting about twenty of my own, and stayed stayed there for about eighteen months, two years, John, I suppose. And then mm. and then um, I had enough clientele on that. We, I moved on to Eagle Farm then, mm. <clears throat> and right. uh, and uh, I really enjoyed Eagle Farm. But um, that's uh, yeah, it was a beautiful place, but Peachester Lodge, a lovely place to train, a lovely race course they had there, and mm. and um, you know the facilities were great. So yeah, Dwayne, just stand by there for a moment. We're going to pause to clear a commitment on the podcast. We'll come back with you after this. Racing New South Wales didn't forget the tab highways and the midways in the latest round of prize money increases. 
the weekly editions of both races will go from $100,000 to $120,000 as from September the 1st. The tab highways introduced in 2015 have been a runaway winner for racing New South Wales and country participants. Every bit as popular are the midways, introduced as recently as July 2021 and now a primary focus of the smaller metropolitan and provincial stables. How fitting it was that the very first midway was won by Albalagio Miss, trained by Greg Hickman, who'd been a prime mover in the creation of the concept. The Tab Highways have created tremendous interest among country owners who were constantly on the lookout for a potential highway horse. Bush trainers have something to aim for when they feel they have a progressive horse in the stable and the punters find the Tab Highways great betting mediums. Country owners and trainers had cause for a double celebration when they learned prize money for the Kosciuszko would leap from $1.3 million to $2 million. The highways and the midways and the $2 million Kosciuszko are a major part of the new look of New South Wales racing. Well, you had a great run at Eagle Farm and there were a few nice horses in that time, including Albie Nimble, who won his first race at Doomben by six lengths with Brad Stewart in the saddle, but your elation didn't last long. No, that's right. No, I only had him for the one run, John. <clears throat> he was a lovely horse. He was by uh, Magic Albert. Beautiful, a beautiful confirmation, beautiful, sensible horse and lo and lovely physique. He was a beautiful horse. And um, I still say that if I had it kept him, I reckon he could have won a Demon 10,000. He was happy. Dear me, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, and Brad Brad was much the same, you know. He, he said this horse is a bloody out-and-out good horse, you know. Yeah. But anyway, he went on. He went on to uh, better things in Sydney, so, you mm. know. I wished him well. The expression that seems to be taking hold in racing these days, when you've got a promising horse, you'll hear people say, this is a proper horse. Yeah, that's right. Yes, yeah. well, he was a proper horse. So. Yeah. Everybody's using it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yes. They, yeah, they don't say the word champion anymore. They just say he's a proper horse. He's a proper horse, yeah. Yeah. Now, Dwayne, you copped another big disappointment in 2007. That was the year of EI, equine influenza, when Tycoon yes. Taylor was sold to Hong Kong after one brilliant Brisbane win. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's um, <clears throat> he had to. He was owned. He was owned in Hong Kong uh, by a couple of doctors over there, and and uh, he had to. He had to get one win in town. Uh, by the time he was still three, yeah. So and he had one crack, John, mm. one crack at Eagle Farm, you know. And uh, and the owner said, "Do you think he can win?" I said, "He'll win." Mm. I said, "He's a certainty." He said, "Oh, you're sure?" I said, oh, mm. "I'm sure." You know. Mm. Anyway, uh, I think Brad Stewart rode him that day too. Mm. Pretty sure he knocked down Shane Scriven on the inside <laughs> to get out. Yeah. And Scrivo blew, Scrivo blew up a little bit, but um, mm. look, um, yeah, Brad was going to win on him no matter what. He he, he rode him to win, you know. And, and, yeah, um, yeah, and he went after it. He went to Hong Kong and, and never seen him again. So no. that's what happens. That's what happens, mate. You know? Oh, it's it's happening all over Australia, mate. The Hong yes. Kong agents circle like buzzards. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's right. So 
Now, mate, the Hong Kong market robbed you of another promising horse in Dr Denzel. You produced him to win at the Gold Coast by a big margin. You took him to Eagle Farm for a Class 3 and he bolted in again. Next thing, the Hong Kong agents were coming out of the woodwork. Yeah, that's right. But once again, he was he was part-owned from Hong Kong owners as well, John. So uh, he was another one that sort of had to get on the he had to get on the plane. Mm. Um, but um, oh, he he was a lovely horse. Jeez, he he had an explosive turn. You know, he really really nice little horse and um, just a, an out and out real fresh little sprinting horse. And um, as I said, yeah, I think he won his – it was either seven or nine lengths at the Gold Coast one day. And then mm. I, I went straight to a class three at Eagle Farm, which is, you know, another step. You really sort of like to get a class one or out of them out of the road sort of thing. But he went to a three and I think he won by three and a half lengths or something. And, and then mm. he went straight out straight away. But, mm. yeah, he was another lovely little horse, beautiful horse, yes. Mm. Now, mate, there are two beautiful girls at Port Macquarie who by this stage of the podcast will be wondering if they're going to get a mention. And I refer to your talented daughters, Priscilla and Cassandra, who were born in Port Macquarie to you and your first wife, Therese. Now, early on, Priscilla showed no interest in being a jockey and she actually worked as a flight attendant for Jetstar. And then her decision to become an apprentice came out of the blue. You were surprised. Yeah, very surprised, John. She said she never ever wanted to be a jockey or never wanted to be a trainer. She's seen what I've been through. It. Mm. <laughs> she had no interest, no interest what whatsoever. Anyway, she had a little bit of a relationship break up with the bloke she was with at the time, mm. and uh, she moved. Well, she she'd moved from Cairns. She went to Cairns to fly out of uh, Cairns to uh, Tokyo, mm. and uh, and then she moved. To Adelaide, then to be with a, be with a young bloke she took up place with, but um, mm. that never lasted long. And when she came home, she said, "Dad, I want to be a jockey." <laughs> I said, "Are you nuts?" Yeah, I, said, yeah. I think she was nearly eighteen at that. Oh, she would have been eighteen at the time. Yeah. And I said, "Well, when you tell me this three years ago, I said I could have made you a superstar." I said, mm. "You're a bit old to be starting now." Yeah, late bloomer. <laughs> Mm. She said, well, I'm going to do it. And she said, if you don't apprentice me, she said, I'm going back to Port Macquarie to get apprentice to pop. Mm. So I said, oh, well, if you're going to learn, you're going to learn off me. So mm. Mm. I sat down and rode work with her and, and rode in jump outs with her and, um, you know, taught her everything she knows, John, and uh, mm. she turned out pretty good. You know, oh, she didn't very, she? She was a really good rider, Priscilla. You know, falls falls brought her unstuck the poor bugger. Mm. But if she never if she never had the falls she had, John, I reckon she would have been, as you say, a proper rider. Yeah, <laughs> like she, she was she was she was a black type rider. She was that good. You know, yeah. she, she was because she was so light yeah. and so strong in the left hand. You know, she mm. really, you know, but um, she uh, she was an aggressive sort of rider. She'd get him up on the steel, whatnot, mm. and then. Um, and then falls forced her out of it, John, which was, mm. you know, in a way, I was I was quite pleased. Yeah. Um, because I, I, you know, I couldn't cope with her getting hurt too much more. You know, I was oh, pretty no. lucky in in my career as a jockey. I only had a f- few falls, you know, but mm. but she'd uh, every time she's like a china cup. Every time she'd fall off, she'd break something. So, <laughs> you know, like I think she broke she broke both legs, broke both ankles. Oh yeah. I think she broke her back. Um, 
you know, like punch of the lung, ribs. Oh, and the last no, one was a broken forearm and that continued to give her grief after she got back into the saddle and the doctors in the end, Dwayne, apparently said, you've got to give it away, Priscilla. And it was yeah. a very sad Priscilla who had her yeah, final was, ride you know, at Coffs Harbour. 2016, she told me once she cried all the way home. Yeah, I don't doubt that. But I, uh, just before she gave it away, I reckon it might have been the week before, she rode one for me at Grafton mm. and I thought to myself, you know, you might be getting a bit windy, mate, you know, and I oh, give dear. her a bake. You know, she sat a bit deep on this horse and I, I, I give her a bake when she come back and, you know, I, and she said, and she didn't say much, you know, she didn't say much, but she, I didn't notice, but she couldn't even carry the saddle back, John. Her arm was that buggered, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and Cassie come to me later on during the day and got up me, as they do, you know, they look after <laughs> each other, the sisters, you know. Yeah. She said, Dad, I don't know whether you realise this. She said, but Priscilla, she can't hold it. She said, her arm's no good, you know. Yeah. And anyway, I thought, oh, shit, you know, I've just <laughs> said the wrong thing here. But anyway, what do you do? <laughs> we well, kissed and made up. We kissed and made up. And when she gave it yeah. away, I was, I was, I was, I was still, you know, the proudest dad there's ever been. You know? Oh, yeah, and not before she rode 300 winners in just five <laughs> years of race riding. Now, one door closed and another one opened for Priscilla because yeah. she's now a regular on Sky Thoroughbred Central's coverage of all the Northern meetings as co-host to long-time presenter Gary Cleesey, and she took to that new role, didn't she, like a duck to water. Yeah, she she did, John, and she's pretty good on the tips too. She's not too bad. She does a fair bit of form. She does a lot of work. But um, mm. I put that down to two people that she's probably got to thank for that. Um, the late Wayne Wilson, mm. you know, and and uh, and Bart Sinclair. During one of her falls or, or both her falls that she had um, a time off, a regular time off, mm. uh, Queensland Racing just started a, an on-course um, previews, you know, were tips and, and selections through Wayne Wilson and, and Bart, and then they got Priscilla and they got her going and got got her behind the camera. And, mm. you know, so they're probably two of the people that um, she's really got to thank for to being in the in the media. And, she, mm. you know, she does a great job. She can she can work a camera and she's good on the tips. So, mm, good. Um, yeah, good she, luck to her. She ticks every box. Yeah, yeah. Now, Priscilla's married to top northern New South Wales jockey Ben Looker and the couple are the proud parents of your little grandson, Ollie. He must be two by now, is he? Yes, he is, John, yeah. He's a, he's a fiery little fella. He's got red hair and he's um, he's he got a cheeky little go about him, but he's uh, <laughs> he's, uh, he's, he's a very um, very likeable little fella, yes. He's a, he's a mm. nice little boy, yeah, yeah. So, Cassie, well, we've got to give Cassie a mention, mate. She had a brief but successful career. She rode about 250 <laughs> winners before increasing weight caught up. You tell me the girls had completely different styles as jockeys. Yeah, I tell a story, John, to everyone that asks. They said, how do you compare the girls? I said, well, they, yes, said, you can't compare and they ride two different styles, you know. Mm. I said, one would get one up on the bit and I said the other one would you know, get anything to settle. They said, what do you mean? I said, well, if you can go back a few years. I said, Telesta used to get five lengths off the second last horse at times. <laughs> I said, Priscilla would get him up on the steel, be running second or third. 
Mm. And I said, Vero. I said, uh, Cassie, I said she would get him to settle. <laughs> She'd be so, running third on Vero. Oh, yeah, looping the reins, yeah. Good she, stuff. Look, she was a great rider, Cass. She, she had beautiful hands, John, you know, mm. very, very good hands, very soft rider, but mm. was very aggressive in a finish, you know. But mm. but much the same as me, she was just too big to be a jockey. And mm. it really, it, I really hated seeing Cass, you know, go th- put her body through what she had to put her through herself through. Mm. And, um, you know, she loved riding Cass and she was a real good rider. But as I said, they just, they're two different styles of riders. One would be out the back, you know, looping the range and, you know, get to the outside and get home and, mm. and the other one. But look, I'm incredibly proud of what, how they turned out and how they've, their career, you know, finished. Um, and they've got, they've got a good career now. Cassie's got a, uh, she just started training in her own right. Good. And um, and they, they've got a big spelling joint between them mm. and uh, and pre-training and, and alongside Luke, Luke Rolls, Cassie's uh, fiancée. Mm. Um, she's about to be married in October to Luke. So, um, good. you know, they, they really work hard at the farm and, and they deserve every bit of luck they get, yeah. You've got a 14-year-old son called Blake who's a born horseman. And he's showing great potential in the show jumping arena. You'd be very pleased with that. Yeah, very proud of Blakey. He's um he's 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 too big to be a jockey, John. He's bloody tall. I don't know where he gets it from, but he's mm. he's uh, he's six foot now and he's only fourteen. But um mm. now he's got a good eye for a show jump. He can see a jump, and he, he's uh, you know with a bit of practice, he could probably make a top rider. Mm. Um, but um. He's actually probably going to start his career as a uh, apprentice farrier in the next six months, twelve months, I'd say. So good, good. That might be his forte, and and he'll still get, continue on with his shows, and and um, yeah. So no, very happy, very happy with him. So well, he's a good boy. You met your second wife Talia when she came to your Eagle Farm stables one day, seeking work experience with racehorses. Now there was no suggestion at that time about her riding track work. So how did that happen? How did that evolve? Well, she just lobbed there one day looking for a job to, to go to uh, a TAFE or something. And anyway, she wanted a bit of experience. And I, the whole family sort of trudged up and, and I said, oh, yeah, right, eh? I said, come back and see me next week. Anyway, next week they've done the same thing. I forgot they were coming. Done mm. the same thing. Anyway, I said... What time can you can you start? They said, "What time can you want me?" I said, "Three thirty. I thought that'd deter her a bit, you know. Yeah. Three thirty start. Yeah. She said, "I'll see you, be here at three thirty. Mm. Anyway, she was there at three thirty. Never left. Mm. <laughs> never went to TAFE. Yeah. <laughs> Stayed there, and and uh, and and uh, we got a ride and work. She could always ride ponies, and and mm. um, she done a pony club and stuff like that, but never rode never rode a big racehorse and and stuff. Mm. Anyway, she started riding work with me and. And you know, I taught her a pace work and and whatnot. And um, turns out she's one of the best work riders you'll ever find. Right? Yeah, she rides work you. every day for you, doesn't she? Yeah, yeah. And ride anything, ride anything you throw her on, mm. and uh, and gets along good. Beautiful soft hands, mm. and um, and gets all them the bad horses sort of going nice and neat. You know, she doesn't fight with them and, and whatnot. Mm. But. Um, yeah, so no, she she's turned into a, a great work rider, and she oh, she's got a good work ethic too, John, all round, you know. Mm, yep. so. Good on you, mate. You've got a head start there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it wasn't much good when she had a baby. 
Well, I that baby. I fear myself. Yeah, that's Darby, <laughs> who's now three and a half years old and already indicating that he's inherited the riding genes. He's got a pony called George, I hear. Yeah, that's right. Darby's probably got the most ability out of all the four kids. Mm. Uh, natural ability. And um, he he rides George. And uh, both him and George are very cheeky, but they get on all right together. Mm. And uh, he loves him. You know, he can be in the middle of the paddock and sing out to George, and George will come running up to him and bump him over and whatnot. Yeah. But, uh, Beautiful. Yeah, no, very, very, very proud of little, little Darby. You're the Theo Green of the Northern Rivers, you know. You've had several young riders through the stable who've gone on to bigger things, uh, apart from the girls, Priscilla and Cassandra. Who were some of the others? Uh, John, I had Jay Ford there for six months. He was with me, Jay. Mm. Um, Benny was with me, Benny Looker. Yeah. Um, Jeffrey Keogh started with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the two girls, Maddie Bennett, yeah. Matty rode a lot of winners, yeah. Matty wrote, Matthew rode a lot of winners and then went on to ride a lot of winners in Brisbane. Mm. And I think he was a leading apprentice in, in the metropolitan area in Brisbane as well Yeah. after he, after he, his um, time was up with me. Yeah. Um, uh, I had another kid, uh, John, called John Smith. Yeah. Was it was a gr- beautiful horseman, lovely work rider, good judge. Just weight was too much for him, you know, he was too big. <clears throat> but, oh, gee, he was a good uh, – a really good work rod. He's actually uh, he's got a couple of children with um, Billy Aspros's daughter, Crystal. So. Crystal, oh dear. Yeah, yeah. So um, he he lives with uh, Crystal, and um, and and then the latest one I had was um, Kyle Wilson Taylor. Yeah. So Kyle was a bit of a, he was a work in process. Kyle, mm. he was uh, he was pretty hard work, but um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> He's he put it all together now, with, hasn't he? He has, he has, he has, mm. and he still thanks me. You know, he said, you're the hardest boss I've ever had. And I said, well, mate, you've got to work for it, you know. Mm. And um, Kyle was, um, he had a few falls and whatnot, and he was a little bit, he was a little bit sort of jittery and, and, and whatnot. And um, we actually brought him to the farm here and put him on a few show jumpers mm. to get him going. And um, to his credit, he can actually ride a show jumper. He can see a fence, you know. Can he? Can he? And, uh, yeah, and he loved it. And he got going mm. a little bit. He said, can I come out and ride them jumpers? I said, yeah, good as go. Mm. So, um, and then he got going. Then he started and he got his confidence back. And Kyle's a very big confidence man. If he's on confidence, he'll, he'll win on anything, you know. He's a good mm. rider. Um, very pretty rider. Mm. And um, and strong, you know. But, um, yeah, like he – he was pretty hard work. He didn't like much work, you know. And <laughs> he's the first one to tell you that. But anyway. Yeah. He, um, well, whatever you was, did has, has worked long term because he's one of the best in Queensland currently. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's, he's good and I'm very proud of him, sir. Yeah. Well, Dwayne, time's run out, mate. It was terrific to catch up with you at the Jockeys reunion. I'll be looking for you again next year. And thank you very much for joining us on a podcast produced by Supernova Sound. My pleasure, John. Group racing is building by the week in Sydney and on August 27, Rose Hill Gardens will host a Group 3 double for sprinting three-year-olds. The San Domenico stakes of 1,100 metres and the up-and-coming stakes of 1,300, each worth $200,000. Who was San Domenico? is a question often posed by the younger brigade of racing fans. San Domenico was a wonderful sprinter 
of the late 40s and early 50s who won five races which are today classified as Group 1s. The Oakley Plate, the George Main, the Futurity, the All-Aged and the Canterbury Stakes. He was ridden in those Group 1 wins by legendary jockeys like Darby Munro, Arthur Ward and Bill Williamson. He won 25 races all up and he was still going as an eight-year-old on far western tracks under big weights. His last win was at Burke under 63.5 kilos in 1954. He retired as Australia's highest stakes winning sprinter at that time. San Domenico's name lives on at the Sydney Spring Carnival.